So how have you been feeling during lockdown? Today we're talking to Professor Brock Bastian from the Melbourne School of Psychological Sciences at the University of Melbourne. We asked him, what are the lessons from COVID-19 and how can we use them to build a better future? In your research, you um, talk about why promoting happiness may have a downside. Now, yep. That might come as a surprise to a lot of people. Can you, can you perhaps talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I guess the idea is that, um, again, while, while feeling happy and promoting people's happiness is, is a good thing in as much as you know, we want people to feel happy and it's good when people do, Mm. It can also set up, you know, expectations um, mm. where people, you know, people feel that they're, um, uh, yeah, that that, I, that well, that, that they they should feel a certain level of happiness, and then of course they compare themselves or their mm. their current levels of happiness to that, mm. and it doesn't always um, doesn't always match up, and um, and of course that that gap between. You know where, how they do feel, and perhaps what they think they should feel mm. comes with um, more negative aspects, feelings of disappointment, a sense of failure, not mm. living up to you know prescribed social standards, things like that. So mm. I think the, 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 the key thing there is whilst whilst it's good to promote happiness, over promoting happiness, and particularly to an extent where people perhaps feel that it's it's no longer okay to experience you know down days, feel blue. Mm. And you also say that um, you're taking note and valuing our negative and um, and some of the painful experiences that we have, um, you know, can help us uh, to achieve happiness. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So again, for the it's sort of the flip side of the argument or the, the position I just mentioned there, where the best way to respond to negative experiences in life is not to see them as just bad things we need to avoid, which are going to destroy us, but rather to see the value in them because it will help us to respond to those experiences you know, to better. Mm. Um, and, and, and the fact is one of the things that we often overlook is we, we do seek out um, negative experiences as part and parcel of, of, of trying to find happiness in life. A lot of, a mm. lot of the activities we seek out and engage in having a, a negative, painful, difficult, adverse component to them and actually engaging with that component which, which leads us to feel happy. Um, a good example is marathon running. You know, I mean, we, we only run marathons because they're painful. We wouldn't do mm. it. We wouldn't yeah. get a sense of achievement or anything from it if it was too easy. Um, you know, studying, we, we get a sense of, of um, achievement from, um, you know, uh, engaging in a, in a course of study. Of course, if we couldn't, if we couldn't fail, um, if, if failure wasn't an option, it wouldn't feel quite so, um, you know, quite so rewarding. So a lot of the, a lot of the things we do in life, we actually do seek out some, some efforts and pains and difficulty, and actually that is part mm. and part makes that experience purposeful, meaningful, and, you know, a happiness-producing event. Yeah, so no pain, no gain. It is a bit. It is a bit that. That's mm. a little. Uh, a bit, a bit of a, a nuance. Bit trite, on that. I suppose. Yeah. No. 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 I, I use that in my lectures sometimes. It certainly <laughs> is a bit. A bit like that. I mean, it is just seeing the value in it um, and and looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And in these times of lockdown and um, you know restrictions on our normal social behaviour, what sort of effect uh, you know does that have on people, and how can we be aware of it? Well, I think it's. Um, well, I mean, look, it's certainly it's certainly a, an experience which is presenting challenges for us, and and I think that uh, again, 
looking at it from that perspective, you know, I mean, this is a, it's a hard, it's a hard experience. I think people have responded to it reasonably well in some cases where they, you know, we've been able to see it as a, as a shared experience and something that we're all going through and dealing with together. And that certainly made it easier to handle. I think where, where people start to, um, attribute some of the, the negative fallout they might be experiencing to themselves or to the ways that they're managing in particular, that can start to cause problems. So, so it is an experience that can actually, I, I guess people can draw some sense of personal and community resilience from. Um, in, in terms of understanding it in those ways, uh, the other the other aspect of it is that while it while we've all been asked to you know to socially isolate, it is also an experience. We do know that these sorts of experiences do bring people together. We have seen we have seen people reach out and connect and find uh, you know become more pro-social and, and those sorts of things. And that that again happens quite commonly in these sorts of experiences and events. Yeah. So that you know that also can have that that um, that um, upside to it. Where mm. people might actually feel more connected sometimes than, than, than they might have before. I think that's actually. I think that happened a lot more in the first lockdown. I think the second lockdown, that, you know, that stuff has disappeared, dissipated. Mm. Everyone doesn't yeah. have anything to say to each other anymore. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> sort yeah. Of, yeah, we're getting a bit so tired. Like, yeah, that's right. In the first lockdown, I mean, there were certainly people who I think you know felt more connected than they had before. And, and that was, again, a, you know, part and parcel of this sort of effect on human psychology that experience like a pandemic or other kinds of sort of significant and adverse events can, can, can do, yeah, can achieve. Yeah. And what would you say or perhaps talk to people who, who are living on their own, who are already sort of lonely? Yeah. And I, I would have thought um, you know, lockdown and all the restrictions would make these people feel... Uh, perhaps even more lonely. How would you? How do you deal with those people? Um, yeah. So, so I mean, again, that, that that's a real problem, and I think there are people who are experiencing quite a lot of loneliness due to the, uh, you know, the, to being locked down. I mean, it's, it's, it's people have experienced it in very different ways. There's some people who can't get, you know, a second to themselves during the lockdown. There's others who can't get, you know, any engagement at all. So, so look, I mean, again, it, it, it is, a, it is a, a tough time. I think one of the things, again, for people in that situation to recognise is, is certainly there's the context, not their own, nothing to do with them as to why they might be feeling lonely. I think you can sometimes forget to attribute to the context. I think the, I think the other thing as well is that, you know, it, it's not the same to have a phone call or to engage in a, a Zoom chat. I think, you know, it doesn't have the same kind of benefits, but certainly to feel free to pick up the phone and call someone because probably the other person is quite happy for the contact and probably is also sitting at home feeling a little bit isolated. So I think, again, just making sure that we're kind of actively trying to step past that and, and connect with people. Mm, yeah, so the message is yet to reach out, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you've got to do what you can and to try and stay connected, even though obviously there's, there's some real limitations for, for many people. And, mm. of course, people might feel quite lonely even when they're surrounded by others at home you know it might you might be you might be surrounded constantly by people that still feel quite lonely maybe you're not mm. connecting the same way that you you were before or maybe some of your more important connections aren't with you so that yeah. can also be the case too yeah and with these series of webinars what will you be talking about i, I guess focusing on some of the research that i've done around um you know how how adverse and difficult experiences do have upsides to them um how, how they can build resilience both in that personal sense, but also, um, you know, they, offer, they do offer us the opportunity to sort of see what we're capable of and what we're made of if we step into them in the right way. Obviously, mm. they can also do the opposite too. But um, 
but again, trying to find ways to to turn those, you know, what can be a threatening situation to something which we feel, uh, I guess, a little challenged by, but but also that which is manageable on the one hand, and then also how they contribute to community resilience by building those, offering an opportunity to build stronger bonds between people and within groups and increased, you know, pro-sociality and, again, all those responses that do come from these sorts of adverse events. We know, mm. you know, again, throughout history, it's uh, proven that these sorts of events do to change human psychology in those kinds of ways, and I guess being aware of those two things, you know, I think the other the other sort of related thing really is also that people do look for meaning in these sorts of events. So people are often re- reassessing their values, looking at what really matters to them, and that's a good. You know, all all three of those those points are actually good pivot points to to think. Well, what can how can we use those and draw on them to actually change the direction we're going in? To perhaps you know refocus on how we're working together. Yeah, what can we draw from experience that can actually enable, uh, you know, to move forward in better ways? Yeah. And finally, do you see um, sort of long-term effects of this of these past six months at all? Professor, do you think that um, people's behaviour has changed and that it'll, it'll, it'll remain? Or do you think that people will kind of snap back pretty quickly and um, just, you know, get back to normal? I think... There will, I, I mean, it probably really depends um, whether the threat of the, of, of you know, that the coronavirus dissipates mm. or, or whether it's still in the background. I think while it's still in the background, people's behaviour will, will be will be changed quite dramatically. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I think that whilst that's still the case, people will, will will be cautious about how they whether they step back into normal, you know, their normal sort of day to day living. But if that if that is taken out, for example, through a vaccine or something like that, then I think that. I don't think that people will be taking too long to get back to the sorts of things that they know are good for them and that work well, you know, engaging with others. But, you know, look, there might be a long, longer-lasting uh, change in terms of, I mean, some people have found being able to, to be at home and, you know, engage engage with in simple things with their families has actually, actually been very rewarding. And so maybe mm. some of the, the fluff in life will get stripped away for people and they'll think, okay, well, I don't need this or actually I don't need a lot of, you know, Mm. Less of the fancy stuff and more of the more of the simple stuff is actually quite rewarding. So we've, I think we've, we've certainly had those experiences. I I, I think also um, you know people, the, the work from home opportunities and the flexibility around work and how people integrate you know work life and home life will probably change as well. And, and people will see that. I mean, certainly I think we've all realised how effectively we can work remotely, you know, via video conferencing platforms. That will certainly lead people to think, well, how can we do this differently? Will we travel as much um, for work or will we see that as a, an expense too far, both economically and environmentally? So there will there'll certainly be those sorts of changes. But I don't think, that, I don't think it's going to change how people, um, you know, whether people look to engage in their communities or with others. I think they'll certainly mm. be back into that as soon as they can because we know it's good for us and we're motivated to do it. Yeah. But, but maybe, maybe, those, maybe there will be elements of that which are, strengthen through the whole process if it's managed well. I think that's part of it. It's really how we manage it now in terms of how it's going to play out, you know, down downstream. So there are, yeah, some positives then um, that we could yeah. possibly look forward to. Yeah, that's right. Or make the most of. Yeah, mm. again, it's, it's, yeah. You know, we do probably have to look at what we can do to kind of draw those out a little bit. But mm. yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's good to not to negate the negative or just not just not to sort of yeah to forget that and just think positively i don't think that's the answer it's just about 
acknowledging that it's been difficult, but also mm. realizing that that, that, is that that difficulty itself, which produces sometimes some of these downstream um, yeah. benefits. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for your time today, um, yeah, Professor Brock. I'm sure that's, that'll be useful for a lot of people. Um, and it was great talking to you. So appreciate it. That was Professor Brock Bastian from the Melbourne School of Psychological Sciences. He will be talking in a series of webinars which start on September the 1st about the lessons of COVID-19.